I want to talk to you about a topic this morning that is probably one, I don't think I've ever preached this message before, um, but I, I, what I want to do is I want to pour salt on your tongues so that we would become thirsty and hungry. That's really what I'm doing. That's probably the simplest way I can put it is, is just to pour a bit of salt on us this morning so that we can, um, that we would become hungry for stuff. So I'm going to share a few stories and I want to preface it with this. So I need you to listen to this part. I don't believe that um, we should never worship miracles, signs and wonders, but we shouldn't ignore them either. And you know, I don't stop at the, the, the sign to that door and say, I've arrived at the toilet. I, that sign points to something greater, <laughs> right? Points to the throne room, okay? you know, but you don't stop at the sign outside the storehouse cafe up the road and go, oh, awesome. I've, I've, I've entered into the storehouse and I've, I'll now get a coffee. You, you actually walk in, the sign points to something, you walk in and inside is something more. Right, so I don't want you to hear that I'm that I uh, we we we're a church or or me or Shen that we would um, worship miracles, signs, and wonders. No, but the Bible actually tells us that these signs will follow those who believe, and I think we're believers in here, and we 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 would be believing believers that believe, yes. and um, and that we would that signs and wonders would follow us, and and that we would um, we would. I want to challenge us in a way that we would hunger and thirst and start to believe for the miraculous to become normal. And many times when I've had these conversations with pastors or with leaders, people often say, well, you know, Liam, it's, it's not about miracles. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but, but Jesus just did them everywhere that he went. And we're supposed to be imitators of Christ. And he said, greater works will you do when I go to be with the Father. And so it's in the book. And I'm just telling you what's in the book. And then um, I want that because I don't know if you know this, but the preface of our Christian faith is that we believe a man was born of a virgin, lived on the planet for 33 and a half years, multiplied food, raised the dead, healed the blind, healed the sick, walked on water, took coins out of a fish's mouth and then resurrected from the dead after three days in the grave, went to hell, preached the gospel, then preached the kingdom for 40 days to over 500 people, and then ascended into heaven and sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's the gospel you and I believe in. If you don't, welcome. <laughs> That's the preface of our Christian faith. That's mind-blowing. <laughs> it still blows my mind today. And when we think about it in that, it can become the cliche of like, oh, yeah, Jesus resurrected. It's like, no, he resurrected. I was talking to someone the other day and they said, man, Jesus' teachings are good without the resurrection. And I'm like, yeah, but the resurrection is what makes our Christian faith different than everyone else's. The death and the resurrection is what sets Christianity apart from the rest of Buddha didn't resurrect, Allah didn't resurrect, Jesus resurrected. Yeah? And it's, it's what sets us apart. And so I, I want to, I want to, um, I want, that's really what I want to do is stir, stir our hearts that, that we would start to, to hunger and thirst and, and make, make room for God. Because often people say, oh, well, God has my address. He can come and show up and do what he wants to do whenever, he, you know. But I, in, 
in the Old Testament, manna and quail would show up on a daily basis. Manna and water and sometimes quail would come every single day. They had provision, miraculous provision. I mean, just manna, there it is. You know, water out of a rock, there it is. It's like, that's incredible. And then they entered the promised land and the miracles stopped. Because I believe that God was doing things for them in the old covenant, but he wants to do things with us and through us in the new covenant. He said, you lay hands on the sick and you'll see the sick recover. Greater works will you do. Jesus says, you're the light of the world. There's a, there's a change of covenant that happens. And it's so important to understand that the Father so wants to do things with us and through us that so often I think we're praying, God, show up. And he's like, I'm inside you. Would you release me? <laughs> like, because he says, we're a river, John seven thirty eight. he says, we're a river that would flow like living water. So we're not a lake, we're not a dam, we're a river. All right. Go with me to Matthew 11. Does anyone know how many miracles Jesus or healings, miracles, um, casting out demons Jesus did? Does anyone want to have a stat? It's a lot more than 12. (laughs) It's a good number, 12 disciples. I like it. No, lower than that. No, it's lower than 60. 40. Who said 40? 40, Dif- different one, different one. There's, there's, there's 39, there's contention of, of whether he's, there was one that it, they, some believe is, is a different one, some believe it's the same uh, miracle. 40 different, um, we don't actually know though, that was a little bit of a trick question. Um, we don't actually know because it says that everything was recorded in all the books, but we have 40 recorded. Um, and so, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, go through them one time and just, oh, it just is awesome. All right, you there, Matthew 11? Verse 2, we'll start there. We're going to read a little bit of portion of Scripture. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds, as John the Baptist heard about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear and the dead are raised up and the poor have the good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are kings Uh, are in king's houses. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is of whom it is written, Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. Verse 11. 
Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has risen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets in the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept it, he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then it goes on, verse 18, we'll skip a bit. For John came neither eating nor drinking. This is comparing about Jesus and John. It's talking about old covenant, new covenant. For John came neither eating or drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. All right. We're going to keep going in a minute, but I'm just going to unpack that for a second. So John's in prison and he says, should we look for another or what's going on? I'm in prison. And what does Jesus do? And I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, but Jesus says, I want you to tell John what I'm doing. He doesn't argue with him. He just goes, like, you picture this, John the Baptist, Jesus comes and John goes, that behold the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Here he is. He baptizes Jesus, the son of God, the, the heavens part, a dove comes down, rests on his shoulders, and now he's in prison questioning whether he's the one. And what does Jesus tell him? Jesus says, I want you to tell John what I'm doing. Now, this is really intriguing Studying this now for a few years, did you know that blindness is not healed in the Old Testament? It's a messianic miracle. You'll see dead raising, you'll see deafness, you'll see other things healed throughout Scripture in the Old Covenant, but you won't see blindness healed. It's a messianic miracle. It only happens when Jesus comes on the scene. So when he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach the gospel to give recovery of sight to the blind, and then he backs it up, He's actually telling the whole world, I'm the Messiah. I'm the one you've been praying for because I can heal blindness. So that's why he says, to, I believe that's why he says to John, tell him what I'm doing. The blind are having their sight restored. John would have known that, was a mess, that hasn't happened until now. So then he talks about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. I'm not going to go into it too much today about Elijah, um, but he mentions Elijah and he said the greatest, John the Baptist is the greatest in the Old Covenant. We're now in the New Covenant. And so, but here, then he goes, um, next verse, he says, uh, verse 20, Matthew 11, verse 20, he says, Then he began to denounce the cities where most of the mighty works had been done. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Listen to this. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in, long ago in sackcloth and ashes. What's the point? The miraculous that was done there should have led them to a place of repentance to where those cities would have been transformed because of the miracles that happened in those cities. Miracles point to something or someone. Do you remember when John, um, Philip says to Jesus, show us the Father. 
And Jesus says, oh, hey, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Remember that in John 14? And then he says, if you don't believe me because of my words, believe me because of my works. He's like, if you don't believe me because of what I've told you, believe me for what you've seen. That's how confident he, what Jesus was in what he demonstrated and modelled on the planet. And here, this verse gives us a key to a transformation of a city. If these signs, if these deeds, if we go back a verse, it says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Wisdom is justified by the outworking of our faith. It would be a huge bummer if the high point of Christianity was what you and I were capable of doing. I'm all for working hard. I'm all for doing things well. I'm all for putting in effort and energy and not being lazy. And I'm all, I'm, I'm all in for that. I'm all for like, yeah, there's those seasons where you've got to grind and you've got to press in and you've got to do those things. But if the high point of Christianity is what you and I can humanly do, I think we're missing something. Yes, there's nothing greater than a transformed life. That's like, that's what Jesus came. Simon said it, you know, where is inheritance? Where is treasure? There's nothing greater than seeing a a broken, lost individual coming to know their identity, they're loved by the Father, their life gets transformed around and they know that their created purpose and their created value and their significance on planet Earth, that they're not a mistake, that they're here for a reason. That's, to me, that's the greatest thing. But th- that's the beginning point. That's the beginning. It's like, you're in the family. Guess what? The kingdom's huge. Let me show you the kingdom, Right? And I remember when I came back, for, for those that don't know, um, I was a soccer player, I played overseas for a little bit, and um, I, uh, I was doing well, I was doing well. And, um, and I was on my way, uh, I was in a room in Scotland, and the Lord spoke to me and he said, Liam, I, I want you to come home to Melbourne. And I was like, what, is there anyone else up there? And you know, I had a trial at a club in, in France and Belgium. And, um, and I, I chose to, to, to come home. I knew it was the Lord. And, and so on the plane ride home, I remember I had my Bible and I'm like, God, I have no idea what you're doing, but you better know what you're doing. <laughs> and so I had this conversation with God and I'm like, I don't want to just, I knew he was calling me to maybe something to do with ministry. And I was like, God, I don't want to come back and just sit in row three of church. I want to come back and this book needs to become a reality. This, everything in this book needs to become real. I want to see the dead raised. I want to see the blind see. I want to see the lame walk. I want to see this thing happen. I want to see, I, like, blow my mind, God. Like, I just gave him an invitation. I'm like, wreck me. Ruin me for this. Ruin me for the reality of your kingdom on planet Earth. Because I just knew that miracles didn't just happen in Africa and India. God's not confined by geographical location when he created the thing. Like, let's be real. <laughs> and I was like, all right, like, I want this to become a reality in my life. And so we, we, we just started 
we, we started going after it. I started going after it in my personal life. We started you know, not just healing, but other stuff just begin to break out. And I don't fully understand it all. I mean, we would be in our home and we'd have you know, prayer meetings and, and, um, and different things. And we'd have just the crazy stuff would happen. We'd have angel feathers just fall. We have people would get covered in oil like all over their hands and just crazy stuff that I had no grid for. So I thought we were like... I'm like, what's happening in our home? This is very bizarre. And I remember, I remember talking to Graham, and I'm like, man, does anyone else see? And when he put us onto a friend of, of ours that began to just tell me stories, I'm like, oh, good, we're not the only ones that have experienced this. This makes me feel, you know, nice. And um, and and I remember, I, it just started to stir me that I was like, what is actually possible in our in our lifetime? What is actually possible? What could we actually see happen? And so I started to research and I started to study revivalists. I started to study people of, and I'm going to share about that picture up there. But I started to study, um, who's heard of like Amy Simple McPherson and um, John G. Lake? Has anyone heard of John G. Lake and uh, William uh, um, um, oh, Smith Wigglesworth and Smith Wigglesworth? Anyone? Anyone else? Okay, cool. If you haven't, Google them, research them. Catherine Kuhlman, you know, these people. We celebrate them now and we encourage them now, but it's like, I mean, Smith Wigglesworth, he used to do some weird stuff. And we're like, man, what a man of faith. And it's like, yeah, but when you're throwing a body against the wall that's dead seven times at a funeral... (laughs) After the first time, if it didn't raise from the dead, I'd probably run out. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm out of here. (laughs) Seven times. And the seventh time it hits the wall, slides down, and he gets resurrected. That's weird. Please don't anyone do that. (laughs) But we celebrate that now. And people are like, Liam, where's that in the Bible? And I'm like, I don't know. But guess what? You're in God's plan and the Holy Spirit's inside you. God wants to move in any way that he'll find. And sometimes he blows our boxes to move in ways that we can't comprehend. And he's not confined to our little ideology of who he is. He's like, I want to blow your boxes. He doesn't like living in boxes. We know that. And, he, and, pe- and I'm like, well, Jesus never taught on the shadow healing ministry, but Peter's shadow healed people. We don't have, I missed the shadow healing conference. That's not in the scriptures. But Peter was so possessed by God that when he walked a certain path to the temple every day, this is probably what they believe, that he would walk a certain path. The sun was probably shining on a certain way at a certain time and he would walk a certain way and all of a sudden they realise the sick get healed when Peter walks past here. Let's lay them out the front. Acts 5.15, you can look it up. It says they laid the sick out the front so Peter's shadow might touch them. Oh, oh, I live for that. I do. And this guy, William um, Branham, now, William Branham ended very poorly. He, he had an amazing, they believe historically William Branham had probably the, 
you know, greatest, and, and I don't mean in like a, a hierarchical sense, but the closest ministry to Jesus since Jesus. Incredible words of knowledge, incredible healing. People would, I, I'm going to muck the slight details up slightly, but William Branham um, would get a sensation in his hand and one would be like burning and one would be like tingling and one would mean healing and one would mean, you know, words of knowledge. And he could literally stand you beside him and the angel of the Lord would tell him your name, your details, your addresses, what's wrong with you. And you just stand there and then he'd just usher you through and you'd be completely healed. Ridiculous accuracy. Like he'd, Liam Swain from Mount Evelyn and Lilydale, this is your address, this is your phone number. 1950s, he died, passed away in 1950, not long ago. Phenomenal, very weird stories, very strange stories, very bizarre man. Almost, I'd say, he was like handpicked by the Lord, like very, very unique man. You're going to juggle? God bless you. <laughs> and so Branham uh, started though his ministry, wasn't a Christian, didn't grow up in a Christian home. And, um, and, and he, he learned a lot of this by, she's fine, I'm not, it's good. Yep. Um, he, he, and he, this guy, he became known as a healing revivalist in, in sort of, um, Kansas Midwest area. Oh, Kentucky, sorry, Kentucky. And this Baptist minister, uh, I think it was Baptist minister, said, I want to debate Branham. Uh, he was a cessationist, so he didn't believe in the gifts for today. He said, I want to debate Branham about why the Spirit of God doesn't move today. And Branham just went, no, nah, I'm not doing it. I'm not even going there. I don't want to debate. I don't want to do this. And so Branham's right-hand man said, well, I'll do it then. I can't remember his name. I should have looked it up before. But he said, well, I'll do it. So this guy, this Baptist minister, hired a man to come from the head um, uh, newspaper to come and take a photo of him when he basically destroys Branham's right-hand man. And they can put it on the front page of the newspaper and say, miracles are not for today and da-da-da-da-da. Halfway through this guy giving his side of the story, God spoke to Branham. Branham went. He wasn't even going to go, but God spoke to Branham and said, I want you to get up and I want you to just welcome my presence into the room. And Branham's like, what are you going to do? And he goes, I'm just going to show off today. Pretty much that's what God said. Hundreds and hundreds, thousands of people in this massive town hall. People in wheelchairs, people sick, people on their deathbed. And Branham just gets up and he says, Oh, God's spoken to me and we just welcome the Holy Spirit. And literally this halo ushers in through the front door. People can see it. And begins to come down the aisle. And as it moves past the aisle, people in wheelchairs just get up. People just start standing up. And this halo comes, hovers, and then appears above his head. That's a very real photograph. And the photographer who was hired to take a photo of owning Branham snaps that picture. It's a true story. 1940s, 1950s, this happened. 
They went to the newspaper because they tried to debate that it was a fake photograph. Now, remember, 1940s, 1950s. And it went to court. It went to court. And it was judged to be an authentic and real photograph. It's the very first documented, judged, signed, delivered, real, authentic miracle that they can't explain. Photograph. How cool is that? I remember when we'd, we went to, used to go to Doncaster Shopping Centre and we'd, we'd pray for people. I remember this kid came, and I've shared this story before, but this kid came with like moles on his face, you know, like Morgan Freeman, you know, that skin, like had skin uh, things. You know how Morgan Freeman's got the... Yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I'm not making fun of Morgan Freeman. No, I love, you know. Paul And this kid was a Muslim and we prayed for him. He said, could you, could God take away my, my skin imperfections? I said, oh, I don't know, but let's go for it. So we prayed. Nothing happened. A month later, this kid came back and he has brand new skin. And I said, what happened? He goes, do you remember me? I'm like, no. He said, what happened? I said, he said, when you prayed, I said, he said, I went home that night or a couple of days later and he says, I washed my face in the mirror and all of those miles just dropped off into the sink. I'm like, come on. He gave his life to the Lord, obviously. I remember when we were, I remember when we were in our home and um, there was a couple that were going to be missionaries over in Africa. And we just prayed. We just, they were about to leave and we just, we just pray, we say, oh, can we just pray for you real quick? They, just, they go to our Freedom Centre now, amazing couple. And, and we just said, hey, can we just pray for you real quick? And uh, they said, yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd love that. And so we just prayed. And as we prayed, this, this cloud just began to hover above our kitchen. And little gold flakes just begin to fall. And we just began to weep and we cried and we just were like in, in awe and wonder and in shock. And I remember uh, when Shen and I were at Bethel in 2012 and Chris Gore was meant to be speaking one night and the same thing happened. This cloud began to form above over here and little, little gold flakes just begin to fall. And people are like, oh, Liam, you know, I don't know where that's in Scripture. I'm like, well, there was a cloud of smoke in, a, in, a, in, a, in the temple and the priests couldn't stand. It says there'll be signs in the heavens and wonders on the earth. So we'll just go with that, hey? And Psalm 115 says that God sits in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. So I'm just going with that one. And I'm telling you, because I've told this, I very rarely, I don't think I've actually ever preached on that topic, on this topic, because people, people walk away and they say, oh, um, you know, oh, I don't know about that. Or that's, you know, it's, it's fake or it's whatever. It's like, well, you've never seen it then. And I'm not saying that to belittle anyone. I'm just saying, in, those mo- in that moment, I beca- my mind hurt. My brain hurt. Because I was like, I'm trying to work this out and I can't. 
And I became, I, for the first time in my life, I realised what it meant to be a little kid in front of God's... I'm like, I, we were on our knees. Doug West was there, who some of you know. And, and I was on my knees. In, and I was like a little kid. I'm like, this is incredible. I'm like, this is a God that we serve. He parted the Red Seas. He walked on water. This is the stuff. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is so amazing. In those moments, you don't worship signs and wonders. You're like, God, you are so flipping big. You are so flipping amazing. 13 people that night, because people got on their phones and said, you need to come to church and see this. 13 people walked in off the street, not Christian, got born again because they walked into church. There's an auditorium the size of a basketball court covered in cloud and gold dust. 13 people got born again because they literally just walked in and went, oh my, what the heck is that? Is that okay, that's the Lord. I'm not telling you these stories to make go, wow, that's amazing. I wish I had that. I'm telling you this stuff to provoke us of what is possible with God. It's not like anyone got up. We never were like, I didn't even know what the, I thought we were. I thought when this stuff started happening that maybe we maybe this was demonic. I thought that. And I needed to check my heart and I needed to check with other people. Like, has, is this like, is this God? It feels like God, but I'm like, I wanted to be sure this was real. And I'm like, okay. And I'm very particular about like sharing testimonies and things. I want to know like, okay, did you get healed? Did you not get healed? Like, I don't want to blow something out bigger than it. I want to be really authentic about it. But my point is, excuse me. My point is that, that signs point to something greater they, they take us into an invitation of the more of God. The moment we see something in the Lord, whether it's a personal miracle, whether it's a personal breakthrough, whether it's a family restoration, whether it's a healing, whatever it is, whether it's like, oh, I could, like an orchestrated uh, meeting with a person. Yeah, I love those ones where you're like, I couldn't make that up. You know, God just orchestrated that and, and, and we're, we're together or we've made this friendship or this connection and there's no possible way that that could have happened unless all these stars aligned and now we're in this place. And I love that. I love all of those things. All of those should point us to the, ne- the next time we have a moment in God where maybe we need a financial... Let's say you have a financial breakthrough. You know, you need $100 on the 11th hour and, and someone just says, oh, here, I want to give you $100. And you're like, oh, that's going to pay for my bill. That's, all, that's a miracle. That's just as great as that, right? And that moment, though... That has led us into the nature of God in a way then the next time you need a financial miracle, you have an anchor point on which to go to, where your faith can become, it's an anchor point there on which you can go, hey, I know God is my provider personally. Does that make sense? And, and so what I'm going for is, is this thing of that we would because he said these signs will follow those who believe he said you will lay hands on the sick and you will rec- they will recover you'll cast out demons da, da, da. you'll do all of these things greater works will you do when i go to be with the father and if we have a mindset that god is just like he he'll just show up when he wants to and we don't have a part to play in it 
that we actually get to steward his presence. Because I, I really believe this, that God doesn't often show up in a place because he's like, if I show up and do that there, it'll cause more damage than good. What I mean by that is he's such a good father that he knows if I was to do this somewhere off the coast of Australia, let's say somewhere else, right? If I was to do this, if I was to show up in revival in power and miracles, signs and wonders, and, and the fullness of his presence would just come and invade an entire region, an entire city... If the people there don't have the ability to steward what he's doing, then it will cause it can cause more damage than good. I'll, I'll illustrate it. So in the Bible, you know they're about to go into the promised land, and it says in Numbers, I think it is, it says that he leaves the giants in the land. So they walk into the promised land. There's still giants in the promised land. Because you and I are supposed to co-labor with him to bring about the miraculous taking over of the land. And he wants to do it with us and through us. So when we get the breakthrough that we need, we actually can steward it well. Rather than just doing it for us, like in the wilderness, and then we don't steward it well. That's what I mean. Does that make sense? And so I believe often, and I'm going to show you in a second with, with scripture, but I believe often what happens is we cry out for revival and we cry out for a move of his spirit and, and we don't actually position ourselves in a way that we're like, hey, I want to steward what I currently have well, because that brings about breakthrough. You do with one talent, you get ten. He gives you three, you get six, whatever. Right? Does that make sense? It's not about how many talents you have. It's about with what we do with what we've been given. It's, it's irrelevant. The talents are irrelevant of how many they are. It's how, what you do with what you've been given. Talents are some of money, not a gift. Right? Just so you know. Okay? So can I, can I grab some more water in that, please? Tell me. How are we going for time? All right, we're good. I want us to... People in here have their own stories and their own miraculous testimony and history with God, and it's, it's awesome. And, and I, I love hearing about them because it reveals the nature of God. So... What I was saying before was, so let's say we talk about a healing. We pray for someone to be healed, and they be healed. They get healed. I remember we prayed for this lady, and she had everything wrong. Everything: bowel cancer, problem in her spleen, problem diabetes, smoked forty cigarettes a day. It's like crazy. Everything was wrong. Twenty-five years old. We prayed for her. For like 15 minutes, we just pleaded the blood of Jesus because I was like, I don't have faith for this right now. <laughs> and um, we pre- pleaded the blood of Jesus 
And I saw her a month later, she was completely changed, this woman. But I have an anchor point now in my history with God that next time I see someone with cancer or whatever it is, a problem, I'm like, I've seen that healed. I've seen that healed. Me and the Lord did a good job. (laughs) Now, no, it's not me. I know that. But he just loves doing it with us. He said, I want you to be the light of the world. I want you to lay hands on the sick. And if we have a mindset that's just like, oh, well, God can just, he can just show up if he wants to. He wants to. (laughs) He wants to. He wants to break through. Often he it's like, as parents, you want to give your kids everything, but you know that there's also a good process of which you do that in. (laughs) That's what I'm talking about. It's like, I want to take you on the journey of showing you who I am and a side of my nature that we actually believe. Is it possible for Lilydale, for Mount Evelyn, will, when he returns, it says, when he returns, will he find faith on the earth? Will he find a bunch of communities who are believers, who actually believe that he says what he'll do, that he says, you will see a nation transformed. You will see a city transformed. And we start, we go, oh, I've seen one person healed. Now I'm going to steward that. And I'm going to tell that testimony over and over again. I remember the first person we saw healed was in a conference in Sydney. And um, we, I prayed for this man and he had a broken foot. And I felt the power of God go through my hand. And I probably only felt that one other time. <coughs> power of God go through my hand. And his whole foot went and moved. And I was like, you're healed. I knew that he was healed. I didn't need faith for that. I was like, you're healed. And he goes, I know, my foot just moves. What was that? I'm like, I have no idea. But he goes, my foot's on fire. And he jumps off his seat and lands on the ground and he just begins to run around the stadium, right? He was completely healed. The next day, the next day, we saw him um, on the phone, Shen and I, we walked past and he's like, yeah, and then this guy prayed for me. I'm like, that was me. How you doing? And he's like, yeah, it's amazing. I'm telling my wife and he's crying and I'm crying and it was awesome. And so I had an anchor point. God heals. So the next time I pray and I don't see a miracle happen, I still have an anchor point. And I can choose to let my circumstance dictate truth. Or I can say, no, I know. I know that God still heals today. I know he's the God of the miraculous still today because I have a history with God where I can draw on those things in faith. I can draw on those things to where I'm like, we need a financial miracle. We need this miracle. And then then there's the ones that I'm like, I have no idea why God did that, but it's flipping amazing. (laughs) I don't have a biblical explanation and I don't have a reason, but it's incredibly good. One of my favourite ones ever was this guy at Bethel. He was a friend of a friend's and he... um, he, he, he'd lost his laptop, had been stolen. And he didn't care about the laptop, but on it was his thesis. And, and God was restoring actual physical things in that season, in that environment. So uh, earrings or heirlooms or um, precious things that people had lost for years sometimes were just appearing in, in people's lounge rooms. Just restoring precious things. 
And so he was like, he was just a skeptic, this guy. He didn't believe in the miraculous. And he was like, all right, God. All right. I want my thesis back. And he bought a brand new computer, brand new, from the store, opens up the desktop, and on the desktop is his thesis. God does not have to do that. He doesn't have to. Faith pulled on him, though, and he was like, he's just a good father. And I think so often... I don't have a reason. I don't have like, I haven't like thought of these stories out other than the Branham one. I haven't, these are stories. I'm just provoking us to think, I want to hunger and thirst for more. Because I believe that he's, he's, he's wanting to, to, to stretch our imagination. And I'm, you know where the word imagination comes from? Image. You're created in the imagination of God and what he thought of you became. You, you're in his image and he's, we're a river, John seven thirty seven, and we're often like, okay, God, if you want to do that, you can. And he's like, I want to, but I want to do it with you. I want to do this. So he's like, I want to show you. Oh, my goodness, you have no idea how much I want to do in your life. Oh, I want to do this. Oh, you have no idea the financial blessing I want to pour out on you. But if I was to do it to you right now, it would kill you. So I'm going, to do, I'm going to show you revelation by revelation by revelation. So we learn to steward it well. We learn to actually be good stewards of the revelation that he's given us. Uh, Proverbs, or I don't have the address of this scripture, sorry, but it says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to search it out. He puts things there just in front of us, not to tease us, but so that we will, we fight, we, we, we're going to go back to Matthew 11, but so that we fight and take the kingdom of God by force. Because John, what did he say? He said, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence and the violent take it by force. All that verse is, it, there's another translation and it says that the kingdom of God has been advancing until now and passionate people pursue it and take hold of it. The kingdom of heaven has been advancing until John the Baptist, until now. And there's a season shift that happens when Jesus comes on the scene from where God does miracles for us and where God wants to do miracles through us. And then and we take a hold of it, passionately take a hold of, take a hold of the kingdom. So it's the glory of God to conceal a matter. He doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. Because the moment it's revealed, we have a responsibility to steward it well. Oh, come on, please. Do, do you get this? It's like, I want to reveal a side of my nature to you. I want to reveal... We know this with money, right? So I'm just going to illustrate it. I want to pour out a million dollars on you. Do you know that most people that win the lottery, they blow it and they end up worse off than they already were? It's like a high percentage. Because they don't know how to steward it. Their poverty, they're still in a poverty mindset, not a wealth mindset. And I don't mean wealth in terms of bad. I mean in terms of good stewardship. Right? Yeah. 
The same is for miracles, is for our relationship with God, our friendships, our relationships, whatever it is. He want, and I believe he wants, to, uh, he wants to pour salt on our tongues this morning so that we would, we would start to pray and we would start to believe for impossible situations to bend their knee to the name of Jesus. Imagine, just imagine a place. Hey, I don't know if God's real. Oh, there's this place up the road down, down in Lillardale called Glory City, Melbourne. You should go there because God shows up. Yeah. Oh, you want to know what God's like? Oh, let me show you. Let me pray for you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you because we know what God's like. Oh, I've got this friend who's, who's, who's sick. Ah. Oh. Doctors have given them no hope. Oh, there's a place down the road where they see impossible things happen. Where they see things just happen. Just impossible situations just just bend their knee to the name of Jesus. It's not about the glorifying of the miraculous. I, I, I would be so content if I never saw another miracle again. I have a great relationship with the Lord and, and that's the highest point of priority is our walk with God and our intimacy with God. That's the, the main game. But in the book that I read, he has commissioned us to be the ones that let the river of God flow. What it? What is? I'm just. When he returns, will he find faith on the earth? When he returns, will he find a bunch of people who believe that he says that he is? John the Baptist was killed. He was beheaded. And when Jesus died, he took a crown of thorns on his head because he he was demonstrating that that way of thinking of the old covenant is no more. I've taken the curse of thinking like that on my head, a poverty mindset. And that we would start to believe for the miraculous. We would start to believe for... I don't fully know how this works. (laughs) I'll just be honest. I don't have a secret formula to this. Shen and I, it wasn't like we were praying for glory clouds to fill our kitchen. (laughs) That wasn't, we didn't even know that was a thing. But when God finds a resting place to land, he's like, oh, I found a people who I can actually be myself around. I can actually make our home. It's not a visitation. It's a habitation. That's church, eh? And I really believe this morning that there are situations personally that you... It's like the 11th hour. You need 
you need a, 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 it's like, oh, we need the miraculous hand of God on this. But I believe more than that is that God's going to start to do things in your life that I want you to pay attention to. It's, you know, the, where the story of where the wind and the voice of God comes and others are like, oh, it's just a wind. And others are like, that was the voice of the Lord. Angels just spoke to us. Some people hear it as wind. Others are like, that's God. <laughs> and that we would begin to lean in. We would lean in to that, that nature of God that he wants to reveal and show his side, show a side of his face that you've never seen before, that you never even thought was possible. Reconciliation of families, of restoration of loved ones that you're like, that person is so far from God. I don't even know if I can see them ever come back to the Lord. And God's like, hey, I'm the God of the miraculous. Do you know what I did? I walked on water. I healed blind people. I, I got a couple of this little boy's lunch and I thought it'd be a good idea to feed about 5,000 people and then have baskets left over. Shen and I, we've seen that. We've seen the multiplication of food. We had a Christmas function. They had about enough to feed 40 and we fed about 350. And then we had 12 plates left over, which I just love. 12. 12. <laughs> we've seen it. We've seen this stuff. And then I, I love it. I love listening to people and they tell me these stories. I'm like, oh, yes. But I, I, I love it not because of what it is. I love it because of the person that's behind it. We don't stop at the sign and go, ah, I've made it. Wow, look at this. Ooh. We go, oh, that's pointing me to something. Oh, my goodness, that's you, God. Wow, we, we can, oh, my, what? Okay, I want to believe for more. I want to believe, okay, I, I need my faith stretched to where... We're not just, oh, that church is, it's a good church and there's a good community and just good stuff happens. That's awesome. I love that as well. But if the high point of Christianity is just what we can humanly achieve, then I believe there's a part of the gospel that we've missed. Because the supernatural is just God's natural. It's just God's normal. It's normal for him to walk on water. It's like, oh, laws of gravity. It's like, he's like, mm, I invented it. So let me just like bend it. Guys, I just had a, a word that I, I believe the Lord wants to... Well, it's with me, I've just been sitting here, it's been bubbling away, and I've been trying to articulate what's happening inside. <clears throat> and the bubbling is, I, I want that. And I want that because I, I want to see Him manifest, and I want to see people come to know Him, all the loved ones that I know. Like I, could, I could weep in a second, I'm going to try to push aside all the faces that I see. But I want them to know the king, you know. I want them to know my kind. 
And I just felt like the Lord actually was saying that you are game changers in the spirit. This is who you are, that he's prepared good works for you to do. And this is part of those good works, is that you would be participating in the, in the miracles that the Lord would have released through you. It's part of his plan for you. And as part of that, of course, is that in the spirit... We are game changers. We are, we are changing the atmosphere. We are breaking through, and the enemy doesn't like that. So if you're wondering why also it feels a bit risky, it's because there's also a bit of resistance as we go and take territory in the name of the king and step out the things that he has planned for us. So if you're feeling like that, as I am this morning, I just really feel that the Lord... Actually, more and more, I mean, part of it's us as being human, but he wants us to drop off that and just go, if you hear me, just participate. Because you are, it's actually, I think it's part of being a human and I'm actually, I'm not God, I can't do these things. And so my body is going to say, I can't do that. No, I can't sprout an arm. I can't do that. But it's the interaction between the power of God and the revelation and the breakthrough and the atmosphere changing and the changing of this community that's about to happen. That's why we go, oh, this is a big deal, because it's a big deal. That's why. Um, but it's but he's meant for us to participate. So if that's if you're just bubbling away here, and that's you. That's yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good work. We're gonna pray. Last point. Faith is the conviction or substance of things, the evidence of things not seen so faith what's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray our father out in heaven hallowed be your name what your your now are there things that are happening on planet that are not his will absolutely it's the will of God that none should perish but that all should come to repentance are people perishing okay so that tells me that not everything that happens on planet earth is God's design or purpose And guess what? The moment you got born again, he commissioned you into a family of impossible situations to bend their knee. And he said, hey, guess what? Welcome to the family. This is an, we we have a task that is impossible. And he went, yeah, of course, it's impossible without me. But what is it? Nothing is impossible to those who believe. So faith is a trust in God that this situation that I can't see in the natural would change because his kingdom would come and take hold of it. The kingdom, Jesus said everywhere that he goes, the kingdom of heaven is with at hand. He prayed. He says, oh, guess what? The kingdom of God has just come near you. Tell the people the kingdom of God is at hand. Go and preach the gospel. Demonstrate the gospel. The kingdom of God is within you and it wants to come out and infiltrate everywhere that we go. And that's what Simon's taught. It's like, yes, that's, I, I want that. And so here's my one point for us. How do we get this? All I know how to do is that the, the kingdom of God has been advancing and we violently take it by force. We passionately pursue the kingdom of God because he says in Matthew 6.33, seek first your kingdom and his righteousness and all these things begin to be added. Oh, Liam, but we have everything we need. Yeah, yeah, I know, but the kingdom hasn't... Yeah, I get that, but I want to see more. Yeah, I know. But my neighbour next door doesn't know the Lord, so 
something has to change. Yeah, but the, I know, yeah, I know. But that person's sick and they need a touch from the Lord. And I'm the one who carries the kingdom. So I'm the one that should go lay hands on them. Because he said lay hands on the sick. Oh, we need a financial breakthrough. It's like, yeah, I know. But God knows my address. Yeah, I know. But faith makes things come into reality. Faith draws on something. Why don't you stand? <clears throat> I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> Who was that man? <laughs> Why don't you put your hands out like this? I just really felt the Lord was inviting us. He's just inviting us into the more. That's, that's all this message was, was a, 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 to stir our hearts, to stir our, to put salt on our tongues that we would thirst and hunger for the more. Not in a, a dysfunctional, relational sense, but in a, oh God, there's so much more available. So God, I, I just thank you for what you're stirring as Simon just prophesied, what you're stirring in the hearts of people right now. I thank you for the, the hunger, the depths of knowing you, that intimacy of knowing you, God, that that would always be our, our platform from which we build. That would be our, our everything of intimacy with you. God, we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. But we invite you into our, our, this space. We invite you in. You're a, you, you would come and not just visit, but you would come and habitat, habitat this place. You would, we would co, cohabit with you. That you would make your home here in this region, in our hearts, in our, in our area, that miracles, signs and wonders would, would draw people back to the kingdom, would draw people into a father who loves them. That impossible situations right now of sickness or financial breakthrough or, or, or personal breakthrough, God, we release the miraculous power of your presence right now in Jesus' name. Even in this room, God, for those that need a miracle, they need a miracle in their body or they need a miracle in their finances or they need a miracle in their family. We release that right now in Jesus' name. God, that there wouldn't just be stories we hear about, but they'd be, they'd be invitations to your, to your nature, to your love. And that faith would begin to be, arise and shine because your light has come. There would be a known as a generation who know you, who believe you, who take you at your word. And we just give you permission to blow our boxes. Blow our boxes, God. We give you permission to blow every single mindset, every religious ideology that we've put up against the knowledge of you. We give you permission to blow it right now in Jesus' name. You are so incredibly good. You're the one that created the sun, the moon, the stars. 
You flung them into existence through your word. That we would learn what it means to co-labor with you, to be partakers of your divine nature and release your kingdom. That we would let the river, the spirit of God flow through us like a river. God, and may you always just keep our hearts humble. Keep our hearts humble and discerning towards your presence.